it's interesting to acknowledge how even when we were quite tired and you know, some of you have been quite uh, cloudy while you were sitting here, how suddenly the energy rises uh, when we get in contact with other people, how suddenly there's again energy in the break. And just a minute before it was like fighting. Yeah? It's like, <laughs> so what we need to uh, uh, what we need to explore is how to bring that kind of joy, that kind of vitality, that kind of fascination, which then breaks out again in the break. How can we bring that into our practice? How how can we? sit like this here when we listen to something which is maybe useful? How can we bring that when we pick up a Dharma book? It is there. You just proved it. It's just... Uh, so how can we be fascinated by wholesome things? We are very fascinated by the coffee break. <laughs> But how can we, and that's fine, I mean, I'm not putting that down, yeah, it's important, yeah, it's, I'm, just say, I'm just saying, the energy is there, the question is, how can we, how can we access it? Well, some people, when they sit to meditate, one of the main things they, uh, they experience is like a struggle with dullness, a struggle with drowsiness. And, 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 and then they get up and call a friend and whoop! <laughs> the energy is there. So it's definitely possible to have the same kind of experience in your meditation practice. You just need to be really interested and fascinated by what you're doing. And then when you sit down in your meditation, it's like bing! Wow, my mind. Wow, that's amazing. Breath, feelings, thoughts. Wow, 3D. <laughs> yeah, instead, we sit down, uh, not much is happening. <laughs> Breathing, I know. So now I want to um, lead, uh, lead you into a practice which in the Tibetan tradition is used uh, often uh, also as part of, for many people, as part of the daily practice to bring uh, tseva, warm-heartedness and joy into the beginning of the day. And this practice is called the mentor bonding process. So it is so the mentor or benefactor bonding process. So it is a practice of uh, connecting with a mentor or with a benefactor and feel the presence, feel the loving presence, uh, feel the connectedness, the warm-heartedness with that person, maybe some gratefulness if this person has supported you and helped you. Uh, so it is, it's, it's a way to shift your attention uh, in the beginning of the day to something wholesome, something inspiring, something touching, something which lifts you up and which increases your vitality. So traditionally, this mentor bonding process in the Tibetan tradition is done with um, one's uh, main teacher or uh, or some of them, so you don't need to uh, just imagine one person. So it can be, you know, in the, in the, some of you know the, what is called the refuge tree, which is like, you know, not only one teacher, but like the whole lineage and stuff like that. So, but it could be Jesus. It could be Amma. I, I, it doesn't matter. It could be... It doesn't matter, because the important thing is that it, that it works for you. The important thing is not that it works for the Tibetans or for someone else. 
the important thing is th that uh, that it works for you. And working means uh, by bonding with that person, with that mentor, with that benefactor, you have a sense of connectedness, a sense of protection, a sense of guidance, a sense of gratefulness. Yeah? So it lifts you up. It brings light into the darkness. So if you are not the kind of uh, symbolic uh, person, then you can also use your grandfather or your grandmother or you know, a, a good friend. That's better than thinking, oh, I have to do it with the Buddha, but then you are not, you don't feel something. Yeah? It's pretty useless to kind of imagine the Buddha there because you should do it. Because this is not, you know, this is not, uh, it has also its benefits, yes, but uh, it, here for us now, since we are looking into how to connect with joy and warmth in our daily life, in the mentor, ben the bonding process with the mentor or your lama is, is one way to do that. So I will use the Buddha as an example. Yeah? But so the Buddha is not a person here, or the, uh, so it's more like a placeholder for whatever you want to fill this with. So this could be also, you know, you could, you know, it could be Jesus, Buddha, uh, Bob Marley. <laughs> uh, so. You don't need to choose. It does not need to be the one person. But if it's easier, then uh, you could also kind of imagine a goddess, you know, Tara, or, and then feel that, you know, that your grandmother and other female benefactors in your life, they kind of are symbolized by this goddess in front of you. So that so that's also possible. So you can be quite creative in this practice. There's uh, no, like, you know, I mean, they, are, they, they say there are rules, but we have to be creative, right? because otherwise it's just uh, not uh, helpful. So what we will do is, after a time of kind of just settling in the body, because it needs to be felt in your body, this is, so that's also, it's not important that you have a clear image. It's not a visualization. It's an imagination. So imagination. So it's like with sound, smell, taste. You feel really as if you're in the presence of that person. How would it be if Jesus would step into this room and would say, Oh, you're good enough. Mm -hmm. I tell you, you would explode. <laughs> you would explode with joy. I mean, Jesus is amazing. This vitality, this joy, this beauty, this inspiration, this is amazing. It makes your, hands your hair stand on end. So, and that's the kind of uh, way we want to do this meditation. Real. Of course, we can't force anything. So, if you uh, go along with what I say and all you feel is being impatient and think what a superstitious shit, that's also, you know, then it's interesting. Then feel that. How does that feel? So you can't force your mind to, you know, to have a certain experience. You can gently sometimes influence this, but nothing is excluded. So whatever you experience in this meditation, that's your experience. Be loyal to it. Uh, so, so we will uh, um, imagine, and then. Uh, this mentor will dissolve and will go
go back where it comes from and that's the warmth of your heart. Because in the mental bonding process, obviously, we work with projections. And projections, they come from your heart. They come from your mind. It's a projection. So if in the mental process, mental bonding process, you relate to the Buddha or to the Dalai Lama, you're relating to your own projection. You're relating to something which is in you. It's a trick. You're not worshipping someone. No, you are just confirming something which is in you. You confirm the Jesus in you. You confirm the goddess in you. So it comes from your heart. It's an aspect of yourself. A symbolic representation of an aspect of yourself in the form of the Dalai Lama and then it dissolves back where it comes from and then I will invite you to dwell a bit on, on that on the Buddha inside on the Dalai Lama inside on the Jesus inside this is an important thing in Buddhism we are not worshipping some people out there to save us they are there to be mirrors for something which is already in us. So, that's it. That's the journey. And what you do is your, your responsibility. So, let's take a few moments to just sit quietly. If you like, you can close your eyes. And start by just noticing uh, how you are, what, what, bring, what do you bring into this moment. How is it for you to be here? And nothing is excluded. So you're not being asked to feel in a certain way or to feel good or just be aware of how you feel. How is it? for you now. And if you want to find that out, you need to drop into the body with your awareness, with your attention. Noticing your own energy as it is. And if you notice some discomfort, some tiredness or tension, what we explore here is what happens when you let that be okay. When you just give space. When you let it be. breath you could slide with your attention into the body even down into your feet and with the out breath if possible release some of the tension some of the fixing some of the controlling the in breath embracing the out-breath giving space. Of course, thoughts continue to arise, but they become less important. They slowly go into peripheral awareness. 
mind in the foreground of your awareness is the sensations in your body, the sensations of the breath, in your belly, in your hands. And then if you notice that you get entangled into the stream of thinking, that you emphasize mental images and mental talk without hurry, gently, friendly, you slide back into the body. Returning, returning and resting. And then we invite the presence <coughs> of a mentor or a benefactor in the space of, in front of you. It could be also a few people. And this is like the morning sun raising after a cold night. And you allow yourself to feel the presence, the warmth, the light, the smile, the loving gaze with your whole body from the toes to the top of your head as if you are sitting in the warming sun. You stay connected a bit with the breath. And your mentor male or female, Buddhist or non-Buddhist, is looking at you with a loving gaze, with a smile. If you know his or her voice, you hear the voice. Uh, not forcing anything just playing with this. And you make yourself naked. No pretense. No mask. Just you. As you are. With the shadow and the light. With the pain and the joy. If you wander, you come back to your body and to the loving presence of the Buddha, of Jesus, of the Dalai Lama, of Tara. Every cell of your body is being bathed in that compassionate light from the toes to the top of your head. Particularly there where you heart with yourself. Softening and opening. 
bathing in compassionate presence, like bathing in the sun. And bringing whatever you feel, whatever is happening, into that light, into that presence. And then imagine that one of your mentors is stepping behind you and putting his or her hands on your shoulders. And you feel the warmth and vitality from the shoulders radiating down into your body, to your heart, to your belly, to your hips. And this touch says, I'm here with you, whatever it is. I'm here with you, whatever it is. Feel the warmth of the Buddha touch down into your belly. Feel the presence of kindness of care all around you. What in you or in your life needs more love. And allow that to happen. From the Dalai Lama, from the Buddha, from Tara. Feel how it is to be touched like that, without manipulation, without wanting something, just love, just care. can let go now. You are safe. Then your mentors, your benefactors, they dissolve into light, into the loving light, the healing light. And this light enters your body at the heart level. Your heart opens like a flower and you become aware of the Buddha inside, the light inside, the source of your love 
your, the source of your care, the source of your joy, the sacred space, the palace in the center of your being. And feel how that light, that source of light, that source of warmth, that source of healing starts to spread into your chest. Become aware of the Buddha inside, the goddess inside. And the light fills your body, your whole body, from the toes to the top of your head. And then it starts to radiate out through the pores of your body into all directions. You are the light, be the source of light. Here, from heart to heart, and then out into the city, to your family, to your friends, to all the strangers you meet. the light in your world. From the Buddha inside. Feel it through your hands, through the way you talk, through the way you look at others. Feel how they receive, how they lighten up. Your parents, your children, your friends. And the people who are difficult for you. That light in your heart is unconditioned. It does not make differences. It shines upon everything and everyone. It's nothing you need to do. It's coming from the source. And then for a few moments we just sit quietly is there for you, breathing, being aware.
So before the break I was talking more about how to connect with warmth and joy with this already there. Now this was more a practice of, you know, in a gentle way, but still it's a bit like manipulating your experience. Yeah. So it's a bit like con- trying to control your experience. And uh, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to kind of experiment. So what speaks more to me? What is re- what feels nurturing for me? To look in, to just look into my experience as it is, or is it actually helpful if I, in a gentle way, without forcing it, without violence, respectfully, because you always respect your experience as it is, you're loyal to your experience. But if you can, you know, with mental images, with think, with thinking, with a guidance like this, if you could uh, lift your vitality or your inspiration. And if not, that's fine. Then just leave these kind of practices. It's, it's not worth it to try to press yourself into a shoe which does not fit. Yeah. Then, of course, this kind of practices where you control or manipulate your experience a bit Give it a try, not only once, because it's also, you know, you need to get to know the process and you need to find your own words and your own style in it. And also, it depends on your daily condition. Yeah. So, if you were very tired now or something else was bother- bothering you, maybe it was not possible for you to connect with this. And that's fine also. So then you try it out, out a few times and you will quickly feel if this is something which which speaks to you, something you would like to uh, repeat and explore more or you feel, no, this is too much, it's it's too religious or, or it's too much, it's too symbolic, you know. And, and anyway, why should I manipulate myself to be more kind. I'm already kind. I'm, I'm rather looking into what is already there. And that is reasonable. I'm, uh, I, I have completely, complete empathy for that. Yeah. And there's Buddhist practices who don't do this kind of manipulating stuff like the Tibetans at all. They just look into the present moment, how it is. So you need to find your own, your own uh, shoe, your own, your own way in this. And joy is a good indicator. Go towards the joy. Yes. So, what does it mean for a Tibetan to just uh, uh, experience what is here and now? Uh, what do you mean? What does I it mean? I don't know. I, I just uh, what we somehow we, we need to go through these imaginations to be in touch with the Buddha inside, and that, uh, that, that for a Tibetan. They get in touch with the Buddha inside uh, more direct? Or, uh... No, uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, what I meant with uh, the practices who are looking, uh, who are uh, where, you, where you cultivate presence here in the present moment, mm-hmm. how it is. And these are practices you know, where you look into your mind, into your experience, vipassana practices, where you investigate your experience as it is. You don't add to it and you don't take away. So there's no visualization, there's no trying to feel something different or think something different. It's just investigation into reality as it is. And then what you find is the emptiness of the experience that it does not exist, really. 
first the obvious the first obvious thing which you become aware of is the uh, impermanence the non-changing nature of everything and that's already a big thing so you go down to the vibrational level of this moment and that's where you start to that's where you start to touch bliss because that's that vibration of this moment I mean that our sense that there's something solid, stable, somewhere within us or around us is a complete hallucination. It's a projection. That's not how these things exist. So you, by just looking into your experience, you, you, you liberate yourself because you start to look through your own projections and you start to discover how this moment really exists. Just by looking not relying on teachings, not relying on any words or uh, just by vipassana, vipassana, inside meditation. So, and that sounds good, right? Any other questions, comments? We have a good time. I have lots to say. So. <laughs> Any doubts, rebellious thoughts? Is it a problem? At home it is a problem because I, I, it, it's, it's, a, it's not so easy to feel this life. Mm-hmm. Well, you say when, when this uh, energy, it is like, for me I think it's, it's a, when, when I meet someone I can feel uplift and I mm-hmm. feel more. more uh, and when I'm mm-hmm. home alone, I yeah. feel more. That, then it's not so easy to feel this. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you, and you would like to have the kind of same kind of inspiration when you sit at home. Yes. And and you're a bit disappointed that that is not happening. No, I'm not disappointed. You're just but not but disappointed. I, I more, more think about why why why, why? is it? <laughs> why is it? Why, why don't it come when I see? Why why do you ask that question? Why why? Because I, I think there is a solution. Ah, okay. So if if I would tell you why, then you then you would you would know uh, what to do or how to fix it, yes. how to get rid of it. Yes. 
Yeah, so you want to know how to get rid of your experience. <laughs> your experience is not good enough. Stefan, how can I fix this? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is, this is part of the whole exploration in this yeah. weekend. How can we, how can we, I mean, why it's like, it's, it's, the why is inexplainable because it's like many, many conditions processes who are connected with each other and they are not they are not really in in your control they just come yeah, yeah? Mm -hmm. and it's of course it, it depends on the food you eat and it depends on your childhood trauma and it, it depends yeah. on uh, temperature it depends on i mean in, 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 as uh, as a buddhist i could say it's your karma mm. and you can't do anything about it mm. Uh, not in the moment when it appears. Mm. What you can do about this, you can respond to it in more wholesome ways so that <coughs> the, the experience of what is happening becomes a healing or a purification of karma instead of more of it. So let's say something is happening which is difficult. <coughs> when you respond to that which is happening, uh, uh, that which is difficult, when you respond to that with violence, then you don't heal that karma, you don't purify that karma. You create more of that karma, which is the reason for this difficult experience to happen in the first place. And that's our problem. So we respond to difficulties, difficult people or difficult experiences, also in our meditation, with our habits. And exactly those habits which created, which are the causes for this experience to happen. So if you want to uh, get rid of this experience, which is appropriate, yeah, uh, maybe it's better to think of it as a healing rather than getting rid of it. Because when you say getting rid of it, there is already this kind of violence in it. Yeah. So... But the way to heal the experience is to respond to it in, in wholesome ways, in healing ways, in kind, way, in kind ways, in more skillful ways. Look at it in, in, in kindness. Yeah, and, and with kindness and wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, then also, of course, this is, as beginners, we will always have, or for a long time, we have, will have this experience that it's more inspiring to sit together. It's more inspiring to be in retreat. It's more inspiring to go to a teaching of the Dalai Lama than sitting alone at home. So to think you could bring the same level of inspiration or joy which we might be able to create here together, like this, to, uh, uh, into your bedroom, uh, that is maybe a bit too ambitious. Yeah. Then slowly, slowly, of course, we will be able to do this more and more. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, yeah, how can I bring the experience of retreat into my daily life? That's... Uh, that's, that will probably lead into disappointment and the feeling, oh, my practice is not good enough. And uh, so, just. But, but, but there is, a, in, in one text, I'm reading the Heart Sutra mm -hmm. now, and in the inspiration of Sara, she, she told me that she's uh, reading this uh, every morning. I, yes, I don't say that now. And, and, uh, and I st start to read it again every morning. Mm -hmm. And I feel the spine of it. Yeah. But when I think about Bhagavan, my lips are going like this. Mm. So, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. amazing that it, this text can, can be helping to... to uh, well, in, Absolutely. In, in the, during the day, then I start to yeah. think about... Uh, I agree and think about Bhagavan. And then, then I feel like more uplift. Yeah, this is what we are talking about. Yeah, this is what we are talking about this yeah. weekend. That is inspiring. Yes, that's inspiring and, yeah, and you so feel more vitality, you feel more you feel more joy. To, to, yes. And it, it, and, and it could be that in the mind. Yes. It could be that 
in a few months you might notice oh it's it, it, it's not uh, helping maybe i need to shift yeah maybe i i need something else yeah. and then you might get to the heart back to the heart sutra in half a year again mm. or um you need to get deeper into the meaning of the heart sutra mm. so it, you need to make it more interesting you read a commentary you uh you you get deeper understanding so uh, you you lift the energy in your consciousness by being interested by being curious by being fascinated and and this is how you how you get joyous effort into your practice through this wow yeah this is so interesting and it's so inspiring and I understand it more and more and this is amazing and I want to read another book about it and I fly to London because Lama so and so gives a commentary on the Heart Sutra and then I need even more then I re- uh, know even more and then this text becomes even more precious and then I put it on my altar and my, I make 21 prostrations every morning to the Heart Sutra because it's yeah so and sometimes You know, sometimes it's just, we go through dark faces. So sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it feels like nothing can can ignite that flame. But then, of course, we have practices, we learn practices of being curious about even that. Mm. Being even curious about being bored being curious about how to feel how is it to feel hopeless being curious about that so it becomes a, a problem if our um, practice becomes uh, like a, a seeking for good experience and trying to trying to uh, kind of push inspiration or push push the joy uh, so it's so important that we uh, become equally curious it sounds crazy but equally curious about the dark night of the soul of the doubts the dark night of the soul the the doubts when we lose hope when we lose direction when we lose the ground because they these periods are part of every journey of a serious practitioner it's not it's not happening without it it's a good sign if you haven't had those then you know get your shit together <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting anywhere by being a goody goody boy or goody goody girl so these crises where you question your teacher the tradition Uh, where it doesn't make sense anymore you feel wow it was so nice in the beginning and now now it's just trouble and so they are part they are really necessary because they 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 help you to become more genuine more authentic more real in your practice then something genuine can emerge in you so and this is also this ups and downs in your daily practice i mean yeah it's it's like that try to be curious about all of that One uh, part of uh, this uh, topic, um, awakening joy in our practice and awakening uh, joy in our uh, daily life. And Shantideva is not talking about this uh, in this chapter, but in the next one. And that is uh, the practice of stable attention. So... um, 
this is something you I'm, I'm not sure if there's time a lot this weekend that I talk about this but uh, in a no the, the assumption in the Buddhist teachings about mind is that the default state of your mind is joy. The default state. Yeah? Do you know what the default state means? Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. When nothing functions. No. No, I mean... Default state. Default. Do you, how do you say that? Stand by. <laughs> Stand by. The, the Grundeinstellung. Grundeinstellung. Yeah. Grundeinstellung. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the natural state. Yeah. Back to default means, no, if you press a button, back to default, then the whole machine goes back to, uh, back to the, the Grundeinstellung. But we cannot press a button. Yes, you can. And it's very simple. It's a very simple button. That button is stable attention. Because with stable attention, you don't have problems for the time where you have stable attention. Because in order for to have problems, you need to think. It's, it's damn hard to have a problem. You need to really concentrate. Yeah. So this is this is and and we all know this experience that you no know, in moments you no know, in sometimes this experience is called flow you know in in a moment where we are really present with something something we enjoy there's joy coming up. No, in a moment where we are really present, sitting by the beach with the waves and the sounds, even if our life is a mess, there's joy. In a retreat, when you have some stable, uh, some stable sessions where you are managing to, uh, to be in contact with the breath, joy is dwelling up from inside. Yeah. When you're listen to, listening to music and you can really listen and you get into the music, then even if your life is a mess, there's a moment of joy. If, if you get a massage and you, really, you get really into the present moment and the touch becomes, uh, gets into the foreground of your, of your attention, then there's joy. And, and, and this is because there's joy waiting there in the background all the time. It's joy, joy, joy. We're surrounded by joy. And then we put layers of projections and fears and worries and entertainment and thinking meaningless stuff. We put a layer around us. And then when there's a break, through stable attention, the joy can pour in. So so that joy of uh, stable attention uh, can be so uh, so uh, so strong that some people think that they have a kind of enlightened experience or an awakening experience, but it's a, it's a temporary rest of your problems, so joy comes up. So, what you need to do is then to combine that stable mind with. Uh, wisdom with inside meditation to really break free, not only have a temporary break of miserable existence because you can't think about it. So, but this stable joy. So, what that means is, yeah, the kind of simple mindfulness practice throughout the day. Get back to that. No, maybe a few years. Before, you know, some years when you started to uh, hear these teachings, you know, teach Natan, mindfulness practices, and, yeah, and then you kind of give up. No, go back to it. Yeah. Dishes, cleaning, walking the dog. Train your mind in stable attention. So stable attention means you have a strong intention 
to keep a certain object, the primary object, in the foreground of your experience. And what that is can be it can be any any object of the five senses. So it can be taste, smell, uh, and so on, sound. Yeah, so in the if you do, if you train stable attention as uh, in a formal way, you do it uh, with the breath often in the beginning. And learn about it. It's a, it's a, it's really uh, in the Buddhist psychology. There's so much uh, interesting stuff around this. You know how it works, which mental factors you need, what are the obstacles, what can you do with the obstacles. It's like a, it's it's an amazing journey of uh, of getting to know how how this works. You know how how can you. How can stable attention emerge in your life more and more? It's it, so you need to uh, you need to also study a bit. You, it's like you need to read the manual. How to how to uh, how to uh, how to um, use your capacities in this way. And we can all do it. It's. Uh, you know, it's a it's so interesting. You know, there's a mm, there's a lot of studies about the benefits of mindfulness practice, and there's a of course there's a bit more to mindfulness practice. But one factor is stable attention. So if you no know, if people do ten minutes of breathing meditation every day, once a day, you can have measurable effects. You have measurable effects in increase of well-being which means joy. Ten minutes. Imagine then if you do it for one hour. And imagine then you also take uh, the challenge of doing some of the things you do during daily life mindfully. Like two. Like, let's say, walking to the car and preparing dinner for, uh, for your family. Two things. And, and then you do that. But isn't the, the base, the ethics, what you do? It, it's related to the job. Uh, I mean, you can do a lot of stupid things and be very mindful. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it. yes. Um, yes, uh, so morality is, uh, is, uh, is another big area. Mm. Uh, it's a big part of our training. Uh, so morality meaning uh, doing those things which are wholesome and uh, stopping to do the things which are unwholesome. Uh, so that's... Um, I haven't thought about that. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I have to... Uh, Think about this. Uh, I can't come up with new ideas now because I'm tired. But um, but uh, this uh, I need to definitely bring this also into this discussion mm. because uh, it's very difficult for us to um, have a wholesome meditation after a day of lying, a day of lying and cheating. Because we are good people and it bothers us. So things which you do which are not aligned with the goodness in you bothers you. And this bother takes away energy which is then not available for you to do a good meditation or something, something wholesome. So it is... Uh, the Buddhist morality is not about you know being good because in the end you get a reward. It's really understanding uh, the goodness in your heart and and uh, and noticing how how if if you don't act according that that you suffer. You experience regret. You sp experience guilt. Because I experience the more mindful you become, the more you see the difference. And the, yeah, it's, you it, can be really it, it grateful go. when you go against. Yeah. Uh, 
Yes, and, and the thing is then, then we need to dare to feel that pain. Because if you don't feel that pain through the practice of confession, you will carry it with you and it will haunt you at the time of death. And confession is painful because part of confession is to admit that you made a mistake and, and, feel the, and you need to feel the pain. And, and of course, that's, that's uh, difficult. But uh, uh, if, you, if you get serious about uh, practice of shamatha, of stable attention, part of that is a good confession practice. Uh, because it's the confession practice which makes well that is an that is an important part which creates the conscious energy for you to actually do this inner work. Otherwise, too much energy is lost in this inner conflicts. So morality is uh, is like the foundation, and out of morality, meditation can grow. And out of meditation, wisdom can grow. The three higher trainings, they are called. Morality, meditation, wisdom. And wisdom you need to break free. <laughs>